This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Tickets for Glenn Beck's We Will Not Conform event on July 22nd are now on sale. Visit wewillnotconform.com to find a movie theater near you and join us for a night to make Common Core history. Will Kane, S.E. Cup, R. Kane and Cup. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Will Kane. I'm Essie Cup. We got We're together in the today. same place. It's been a long time. It feels like it's been a while. It has been a while. Are you celebrating our togetherness with shorts? I'm wearing shorts. I'd find that neither newsworthy nor is, a source of insecurity. It is newsworthy. Let's talk about that later. Okay, let's do that. Put a pin in it. We'll come um, back to it. <laughs> as it probably hits your news radar this week, uh, not only was a Malaysian Airlines flight shot down over Ukraine, but MSNBC reported on it uniquely. Uh, they were the victim of a prank call from Howard Stern's Legion of Fans. We're going to go over some of the best pranks on the news media. I don't know about ever, but let's say within the last In your years. mind, yeah. In my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little later this morning. But we want to start off right away checking in with Michael Pelka at the Texas border. Mike has gone down with Glenn Beck to take water, food, teddy bears, humanitarian supplies to the uh, unaccompanied minors, illegal immigrant children who have made their way to Texas from Central America. And uh, Mike and Glenn are both down there this weekend, along with many others from Mercury One and The Blaze. And we want to check in. Mike, are you with us? I'm here, and I'm very nervous about you in shorts. Exactly. You should be, Mike. You should be. Well, it is 95 degrees here this morning. It's 8 a.m. in the central time zone. 112% humidity, and I'm wearing long pants. Would it have killed you? <laughs> like a grown-up. Like a grown-up. <laughs> Listen, well, now, no, I've seen you in shorts. You wear shorts. You wear your Jerry Seinfeld tennis shoes and ball cap. Don't don't you try to out-sophisticate me. <laughs> Mine was for survival. We were at 4.30 this morning. We were actually on the border at one of the busiest crossing locations uh, where last night Louis Gohmert reported there were 50 caliber bullets being fired from the Mexico side to try and scare off anyone who would be trying to stop the crossings. Uh, The Border Patrol still brought in 90 people last night. 90 were actually stopped and detained. And to give you a perspective on that, this is a money-making opportunity for those coyotes. Mm-hmm. The average person pays $7,000 to come across from Guatemala up through Mexico. So that's $630,000 in potential business just last night. Wow. It's, it's staggering. But, you know, we're, we're trying to deal with two sides of this. We're trying to have warm hearts and hard heads yeah. to deal with the importance of securing the border but trying to compassionately help the people down here. So we've got about 3,000 folks today, um, over 1,000 kids, and then some parents who we're trying to help with a a meal and some comfort with clothing before they have to deal with whatever process that will send them back home to their family. Now, Mike, you you have been to the detention facilities. Have you seen that at this point? No, that's next. We first went to the border. We're at the Iglesia de Pueblo Church today, and they have brought in a couple hundred volunteers from their congregation, and we have a couple hundred Mercury volunteers, and we're lining up the food to be served. 
after this, we'll go to a detention center. Now, the food that you're lining up to be served, will you take that to the detention center, or are some of these children making their way to the church where you guys are? Uh, they're at the church. I don't think we're allowed to bring the food into the detention center. I see. There are some strict regulations down there, but we're just trying to help the families that are here, the undocumented. Uh, and you can call them illegals. You can call them victims. Uh, we're tr- focusing on the humanitarian crisis yeah. this morning. Well, and, the- yeah, folks can still donate to Mercury One. I know you heard a staggering number. Over $2 million was donated for this project alone. But now we're helping the sheriffs who are down here, the county police who really need help because they're overwhelmed. Let me ask you this. The reason I was asking whether or not uh, you had been to the detention facilities yet and, and who exactly was making it with the churches, I wanted to see, if had you come into contact with many of these unaccompanied minors, with these illegal immigrants? And I want you, it sounds like you have, so tell me um, tell me a little bit about, about their condition. I mean, uh, we read all of these stories about, about health scares, um, how hard the trip is, actually. Tell me about the people you've interacted with. Well, I can tell you... From two perspectives. One is from standing on the banks of the Rio Grande and seeing the piles of clothing that had to be left behind that people carried with them. Will baby shoes, uh, toddler shoes, little tiny life vests. Uh, I posted a, a Twitter picture of a life vest, a child's life vest with a scorpion on top of it. It smells like a garbage fire down there. And when you consider these people came all the way through Mexico from, again, Guatemala, Ecuador, et cetera, to get here, you just wonder. We were uncomfortable after 15 minutes. How many days did they spend in worse conditions? Yeah. And you look at the faces here. They're very happy to be here today. Uh, nobody here looks like they're they're being overly taken care of. This is a group that that doesn't have a whole lot. Well, so Mike, uh, when, when I when I think back on on the news cycle and some of the stories that we were all focused on that we've lost because other stories come up, whether that was, you know, the IRS, the VA scandal, the Bo Bergdahl transfer. Now we're dealing with two two news stories, uh, the Israeli ground war in Gaza and the downplane in, in Ukraine. And I'm worried not on the politics, because the politics of immigration will never go away, but I'm worried that people might lose sight of exactly what's going on on a day-to-day basis because we're all focused on other things now. That's a great point, Essie, and it could get lost, but for the people down here. You see the people, the, the local economy is totally being tied up and crushed by their need to take care of the people here. Yeah. And we're out here today. There's no major media out here besides the blade. Hmm. There is there is no media presence. And you have Louis Gomert, Ted Cruz will be here, Mike Lee, uh, and uh, I think Weber, Representative Weber mm-hmm. from the Houston area was here. And they were all with us last night going to the border at 10 o'clock and this morning at 4.30. Yeah, and in a normal news cycle, the new, the media would be there. The media would be there. Those are some big names would be there covering this. But we're all, you know, we've got whiplash with this. We're all on to the next thing. Well, that's a great point. We have to keep it in the news just because this is not going to slow down. Yeah. This rush of, of humanity rushing our southern border uh, and I don't know if that's my phone cracking up or your end. It's going to be growing because the yeah. word is out. No one's stopping it.
We're going to have to, yeah, I think you, you, we're having a little trouble with your connection, Mike. Um, listen, if you can hear me, I would just suggest this. You're going to be coming into contact with a lot of children today who've made a tough trip. I think what you and Glenn and the rest of Mercury are doing is completely laudable. Um, it's, uh, it's something that should be recognized. It's something that should be praised. And I would encourage you not to put on shorts when you go interact with these children. Oh. They've been through enough. <laughs> oh um, it's scary. And... Some of us can do shorts and some of us cannot. Okay, and well, I, I would suggest there, to you keep those before, keep those white sticks covered. Before you throw the first stone, mm-hmm. <laughs> stand in front of a full length mirror. Oh, I have. Mike, Mike, I, I I already said, can I take a picture of you? He said, absolutely not. That just goes to show you he is aware that he looks ridiculous. You He's aware. We, I've been called bird legs for over thirty years. So why Trust wear me, shorts? You don't, Patsy, <laughs> please, no short shaming. Let's right. not short shame Will Kane. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for Mike. what you're doing. Thanks for calling in. Take care. Bye-bye. Um, that is, uh, all jokes aside, uh, something completely to be proud of, what, what those guys are doing down there, what they're seeing firsthand, and not just seeing, not just reporting on, but actually helping the situation. Well, yeah, there's. I like the way Glenn puts it. You have to separate your head and your heart on this issue. You can't. You can't be so single-minded, so narrowly focused, so politically driven that you allow your conviction to get in the way of your compassion. I think Mike said it well. Uh, soft hearts, hard heads yeah. on this issue. All right, That's let's right. do this. We, uh, SE talked about some of the news pushing the border crisis down on the priority list. One of those was that the Malaysian Airlines shot down over the Ukraine this past week. Uh, SE and I were talking. This isn't the first time that this has happened. Yeah. Shocking as it may be, civilian aircrafts taken down by military equipment, surface-to-air missiles, or other or other fighter jets. Um, let's go through history. A quick walk through history. When we come back, yeah, I think you'll be. I think people will be surprised. They will too at some of these stories that they either didn't remember or never heard in the first place. A uh, quick walk through history. When we come back on the Blaze Radio, you're listening to Kane and Cobb on the Blaze Radio Network. Will Kane and S.E. Cup return. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm S.E. Cup. And I'm Will Kane. I am not wearing shorts. Will Kane is wearing shorts. That's how you can tell us apart today. (laughs) (laughs) I think you can hear through the microphone that he's wearing shorts. You can hear that in his voice. It's summertime. Because he sounds like a child. This is radio. You're at work. You are however old you are. Are you, do you are you under the impression that you're wearing professional attire right now? It is you are it is however old you are is over 35 we'll say. Do we want to analyze your attire right now? Are you really going to venture into the territory <laughs> of criticizing what a pregnant woman is wearing on the radio? Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody it's Will's last day. <laughs> let's all let's all give him a hearty. What is this roomy attire you're goodbye. wearing? Stretchy material. <laughs> so unprofessional. Um, you know, the, the the story of the downed plane, I think, brought up a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, feelings and emotions and thoughts when when you first heard that news. Um, of course, it being a Malaysian plane, you all we all went back to the the first missing Malaysian plane that we still haven't found. But it also definitely made me wonder 
um, has this happened before? And I actually said uh, to my husband, I've never heard this happening before. I bet this is the first time. And then a slew of journalism came out showing me, no, 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 this is not the first time. I had no idea. Um, While it's not common, we've got at least five episodes here of, of when a commercial plane has been shot down by a state military. That is frightening. Right. That is terrifying. Try not to think about that the next time you're on an airplane. Commercial passenger planes. We're talking about hundreds of people dying in these incidences. Yeah, the first one I came with, there was one out of, uh, in 1955, an El Al flight from Vienna to Tel Aviv was shot down by a Bulgarian fighter jet. But the other big one that I came across was Israeli military jets shot down a Libyan Airlines flight in 1973. It was going from Tripoli to Cairo, drifted into Sinai, under Israel control, and uh, there was a sandstorm. 108 people were killed. Hmm. That is gnarly. What you're going to find, and I think most of these incidences, is places where there was already a ratcheted conflict. tension yeah. Yeah. between two nations. So I will give you one of the most famous uh, incidents. It's 1983, Korean Airlines Flight 7, uh, venturing uh, after a short stop from Anchorage um, into Seoul. Yeah. to Seoul, Korea, uh, ventures a little off course into Soviet airspace. The Soviet Union shoots it down. 269 people die. They maintain, they being the Soviet Union, that it was, quote, a sophisticated provocation masterminded by the U.S. Special Services with the use of a South Korean plane. Long after the incident, they suggested it was a spy plane, and not until the Cold War ended did the Russians finally recant with Boris Yeltsin turning over data to show that it was, in fact, a horrible, horrible mistake. Yeah, and, and actually on that story, of the 269 people on board, one was a U.S. congressman, Larry McDonald. That that made me wonder why that was not more sort of top of mind to me. Um, you have another one out of... 1988. Oh, now, yeah. this could surprise some people because the guilty party in shooting down Iran Air Flight 655 was the United States of America. This was July 3rd, 1988. 290 people died. The story goes that the United States uh, naval warship in the Persian Gulf was exchanging fire with various Iranian vessels um, when they mistook a passenger jet for an F-14 fighter jet mm-hmm. and shot it out of the sky. Tehran did not see the shooting as an incident, as an accident and has uh, held on to this incident as an example of the evils of the United States uh, and, and used it as... Uh, for political purposes. Yeah. Well, and, and the U.S. ended up paying, I think, somewhere around $60 million to the victims of that. That That is shocking. Shocking that I wouldn't know that that was in our own history. Mm-hmm. Um, And the last one I discovered was another Ukrainian episode. Um, In 2001, a Siberian Airlines flight from Tel Aviv uh, uh crashed into the Black Sea. It killed 78 the Ukrainian military initially denied responsibility, but later a report came out saying it was brought down by Ukrainian anti-aircraft missiles, and it was um, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. They later admitted it was a mistake. It's just, it's unbelievable, and it makes me wonder if we're going to move into the era of arming civilian commercial passenger planes with, like, countermeasures. You know, like like chaffs, you know, like uh, 
you you sense a, a missiles a missiles on its way and you deploy a chaff to sort of misdirect it. That that is crazy. I know that because I saw Air Force One. <laughs> um, that is crazy to think that that that's where we could be going with this. Well, we had this discussion the other day and it was pointed out that uh, El Al flights, Israeli El Al flights, yeah. come equipped with some countermeasures. Um, yeah, that's frightening. I don't think this is something we're going to see commercial airlines include in their standard airline manufacturing packages. No, it makes it's, me it's wonder why we're flying in, over hostile territory. That's exactly right. right. Right? This would seem, if not, I mean, this would seem easily avoidable. It really would. Like, you know there are skirmishes. The Ukraine, uh, the rebels, the pro-Russian rebels shot down three other planes that week over over hostile territory. Don't fly your commercial commercial jet through territory where planes are being shot down out of the sky. Chelsea Sullenberger, the I would guess most famous commercial airline pilot in Only the United States. Only one I States. could name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who who of course landed his airplane, his his uh malfunctioning and crashing airplane into the Hudson River smoothly with no one no one uh seriously injured in yeah, that incident. Right. Uh, was on the news this week, and I heard him asking that exact question: What are what hmm. what were they doing flying over a war zone? Yeah, I think I've heard a lot of uh, airline analysts, airplane uh, a- analysts, say that a commercial plane is very easily identifiable, even from the ground. It doesn't look like a cargo plane. It doesn't look like a military plane. Anyone who knows what he's doing um, would not be able to mistake it. Now, I think a lot of these Russian insurgents are not experts and uh they made i think they ultimately they probably made a mistake but it would just seem best practice don't fly over hostile territory where planes are being shot down out of the sky on a regular basis just don't do it we played on real news earlier this week some of the audio from the 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 soldiers on the ground in eastern ukraine the russian um separatists yeah and you hear the realization. You can find this audio online, and they're speaking exclusively in Russian. So playing it now would, would wouldn't help anyone listening. But there's translations of it online as they begin to realize this is a civilian aircraft, and you can hear them checking in with their superiors, who begin to set up the conversation for a spin. Well, was there documents on board? Well, if it was flying over this area, even though there are clearly civilian bodies, they must have been spies, mm-hmm. right? And it's interesting, you know, when I when I think about the story. I wonder about the guy that pulled the trigger on that Buk um, surface-to-air like what missile he's system. thinking now? What he's yeah. thinking. I mean, yeah. I think clearly it was a mistake. And, and some 265 people have died, civilians. And, it, you know, I, I mentioned the Soviet uh, history of shooting down the Korean airline. The, the pilot of, of the uh, fighter jet that shot down that, that uh, passenger flight maintained throughout his life it was a spy plane. It was a spy wow. plane. You know, never fully coming to grips with what he had done. You can delude yourself so much in fights like this. You can delude yourself so much into thinking that some of these casualties are necessary. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going through the mind of this of the person who pulled the trigger, but I cannot imagine a more horrifying realization. But then again, I'm a normal person. I don't know that these are normal people we're, we're dealing with. Yeah, I have no idea how they how they would deal with that. Right. Um. So when this news was breaking uh, throughout the week. I think the news media was running as fast as they could. Get it on the air. Get the information. What do we have? What do we know? Put it on the air. Mm-hmm. MSNBC made a mistake this week when well, they. Well, let's talk ran about it. it. Let's, let's talk do. about let's it. Let's talk about that when we come back <laughs> on Kane and Cup.
You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Essie Cup. And I'm Will Kane. We're wearing shorts. Still wearing shorts. Well, as somebody pointed out on Twitter, um, you know, wh- what do you suggest? This is pantless day? Or I am wearing shorts, and you're not? <laughs> well, How well, embarrassing for you. I'm wearing a dress. If the problem is not just that you're wearing shorts at almost 40 years old and to work. That's not the problem. The problem is, I hate to say this, but I know that you can take it because you have a very healthy ego. They're not flattering. You know, <laughs> you treat me like I am impervious, like I am just a rock and everything is but solid. But you are. And you think- You don't care. You don't think this hurts? <laughs> Will Cade has a, has a very not, healthy sense of self, so I know you can handle- you think I am. You, okay, you can handle, you can handle this. Let me tell you something. Hmm. Shorts, this is radio, so you, and it's a Saturday. So your invocation of work, I haven't violated Are some we standards. Are we getting paid for this? And Are we in an office building? One of those questions I'm not sure on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shorts are acceptable, ma'am. No, no matter your age, in the summer. <laughs> Did you just call me ma'am? Yeah, and they are flattering. By the way, what's the they standard? They are not flattering. You wouldn't let me take a picture because you know they're not flattering. What's the standard for shorts these days? They're getting higher and higher. You can't wear baggy shorts. Can't go below the knee. Um, no, you're right. There is a, there is a sweet spot. Yeah, that's right. Of short length. That's juvenile. So to be an adult, they need to be above the knee. They need to. Um, yes, but like not above the thigh, like mid thigh. A little uh, lower than mid. I think the appropriate place is mid thigh to knee. Mid thigh to knee. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, now that we've solved that, um. Something happened over at MSNBC today. Let me just let me, I need I have some caveats here to this conversation because I'm sure you saw the coverage. A lot of people put this right. I mean, this was online like five minutes after it happened. Of course, someone was very um, diligent in in cutting this clip and getting it online. And even Bill O'Reilly. Despite everything going on in serious news, devoted a segment with Bernie Goldberg to this prank call on MSNBC. I found that a little silly. I know we're talking about it now, but I'm talking about it now in the context of I can't believe it got so much attention. Let me tell you why. My friend Crystal Ball, let me say that again. My friend Crystal Ball. And I don't say that casually. She's a very good friend of mine. Nor can you say that very often. My friend, Crystal Ball. Uh, totally true. <laughs> she is a friend. She's a very good friend. Um, she is co-host of The Cycle, where I used to work. And it was breaking news, right? It was during the downed plane. Everyone was trying to get information. The Cycle is not a breaking news show. The Cycle is sort of a magazine format show. So when you switch to breaking news, all the scripts go out the window. The, nothing's in prompter. And you're on your own. We had a number of those while I was there. They're tough days. They're tough. You're, 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 you're not only on your feet, but you're sharing it with three other people at the table and trying to figure out how to do it all. So the breaking news comes in. There's a down plane. They try and you scramble to get experts to call in mm-hmm. of any kind. And someone calls in 
purporting to be a military expert. They put him on the phone. This is what happens. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Please tell us what what you saw there on the ground in Ukraine. Well, I was looking out the window and I saw a projectile flying through the sky and it would appear that the plane was shot down by a blast of wind from Howard Stern's ass. <laughs> so it would appear that the plane was shot down. Can you tell us anything more from your military training of, of what sort of missile system uh, that may have been coming from? <laughs> well, you're a dumbass, aren't you? Ooh. Sir. I'm sorry, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Look, okay. That is an, that's an embarrassing moment, for sure. Mm-hmm. But one, not entirely Crystal Ball's fault. And two, it's not like she made some error in judgment. I believe that she didn't actually hear what he had said the first time and was caught off guard. And I'm not sure any, any of the people in the audience would have done a much better job handling that situation. Okay, a couple things here. I'm sure she wishes she had listened a little harder. That's that's the that's the mistake that Crystal made. Yes, she I'm wasn't sure she wishes she had. Listening to the answer to the question she asked. She did not hear him because she wasn't listening. Well, listen, this happens during breaking news because yeah. you don't have a prompter or a script. But the so job, you are constantly thinking, what's my next question going to be? It's not a unique problem to Crystal. It's actually one of the cardinal sins in this industry that I've seen from top to bottom, is the inability to listen to the person you're either debating or interviewing. That's the mistake she made. The mistakes that led to that were numerous and not her fault. Absolutely. producer screening that call, verifying who you're talking to, understanding, by the way, the guy said he was in the embassy in Ukraine, which is in Kiev. This happened hundreds of miles away in eastern Ukraine. Yeah. That didn't set off any alarms on the producer's mind. Right. There were many, many mistakes, but Crystal contributed in the end by not listening as well. Look, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure she wishes she had caught that right as he said it. But she's not a breaking news anchor. I mean, this yeah, is... You, 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 you know said breaking I mean? news several times, by the way. What time does the cycle go on? Three o'clock. This happened like at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So they had four hours. It's, this was, it's still, It was still breaking news. But the point is they had a choice yeah. to use the cycle. Which is not, as you pointed out, a oh, breaking did. news, Instead a breaking of, news show. Right. They, they, they could would, have gone to an anchor that's who right. would have carried over from the two o'clock hour into the three o'clock hour to uh, be a breaking news reporter on that story. And much to the cycle's credit, and much to MSNBC's credit, they would often allow us and give us the opportunity to cover a breaking news story. And I have to say, most of the time, we did a pretty darn good job. All right, let me say to you this. Um, you you brought up the fact that the clip made it online very quickly. Yes. Because the guy you heard, yeah, that's not his first time doing this. Can I just, because you're familiar with him then, can I just ask you a question? Yeah. Why the cycle? Doesn't right. that seem random to like prank? The answer to that question is. The cycle? His name is Captain Jenks. And okay. He's a big Howard <laughs> Stern fan and literally no one has escaped his hijinks. Oh. It's a little odd Bill O'Reilly mocked it so thoroughly because Fox has been caught, S.E. Oh, really? So many times. Oh, really? An easy YouTube search. You will find Martha McCallum, Julie Banderas, on and on getting pranked by this guy. Oh, boy. Every organization, and I'm going to give you two. First of all, I'd love to play him um, calling in, as I said, every organization, Mm -hmm. including ESPN, 
when he called in after Steve Bartman interfered with Moises oh, Alou the in the game, Chicago yeah. Cubs playoff game. Listen to how it went down then. Have you received death threats? Yes, I have received uh, at least five death threats um, uh, calling my parents' house. And, and, you know, people get, you know, especially from the news, they've been calling. And, and, I, and I'm pretty much right now. Um, Same voice. Can you hear you know, that? Hiding yeah. out right now. Can you stay in the Chicago area? <laughs> um, do you like Howard Stern's butt cheese? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We've been had. Ah, well, he realized that it right away. Steve Bartman. Watch the pivot. Uh, and then he goes, and then we're going to go to football news. But this is the one I wanted to play you. Now, this guy's also a friend of mine, okay? This is Ali Velshi at CNN. And see if this doesn't sound familiar to you. Listen to Ali Velshi dealing with Captain Jenks. Um, all over the state of New Jersey, it's very dangerous to drive. We're trying to keep commercial vehicles off the road and get the salt trucks and the plow trucks down. Today's the day to just sit in your homes and contemplate Howard Stern on American Idol. No kidding. Listen, we, we know that um, a number of flights, most flights have been canceled in and out of New York airports for the afternoon. What's the difference? What does it mean that the airport is shut down? Does that, does that mean it's, it's, a, it's a bigger deal? You're a dumbass. You don't know this is a prank call? Goes exactly the same way. Allie didn't it get it right exactly away. The same. You kind of wish he'd keep going. Like, what, he gives in real quick. Well, he's perfected his art. Yeah. All right. Well, this has got us uh, talking about some of the best news pranks in in uh, in history. So I made a little list of a top what I think I have. Think of the top five pranks on news anchors. Let's do that when we come back on Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm Will Kane along with SC Cup. Crystal Ball on MSNBC being pranked by one of Howard Stern's army, suggesting that the Malaysian Airlines was blown out of the air by a gust of wind from Howard Stern's bottom. Bottom. <laughs> um, was just the latest in a series of news pranks. And I thought I'd put a little list together for you of some of the best news pranks um, in quite some time. And I want to start... Um, with one I myself have fallen victim to on this program. What? On this exact program with a Twitter handle, a weatherman oh. a weatherman in Los Angeles did it live. Listen to this. Uh, Christy and Joe Horton, uh, ninth anniversary, and Hugh Janus. <laughs> we mentioned... I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. The other anchors realize. <laughs> it's, it's one of those... It's one of those... <laughs> I think it was a trick. I think you're right. I think it was a trick name. Their laughter is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they got they were caught by you. I'm not gonna repeat it. Don't um nor nor don't don't say the one that you said either. I won't. Um now, this one gets special props. This happened on Fox News because it's a lot easier to prank someone with a, ra- uh, a radio or audio call-in. But when you can do it visually, this young man got seated for an interview with Gretchen Carlson claiming he was an Obama supporter who was now moving to Mitt Romney's ticket in Get 2012. Out. You can look for the video online, and you can tell pretty quickly he's pranking her. Okay. Listen. 
Joining me now is a recent college grad, Max Rice. He voted for President Obama. So. Now he's unemployed <laughs> and just moved out of his parents' home. Good morning to you, Max. Hello, Miss, Miss USA. It's an honor. Oh, my uh, God. Miss America. I wish I could see but, you. But, but close enough. Miss America. This um, universe in my book, in my book. Oh, okay. Well, well, thank you very much. Um, now, tell me your story. You believed in uh, the hope and change of President Obama. He's grabbing for so coffee now. For him and oh. Casually tell me drinking about coffee. The next three oh, years. So. I was a huge Obama supporter in 2008. I, I met him in third grade. I met him when I was little. <laughs> okay. And why now are you supporting Mitt Romney? Oh, what's your question? Why now are you supporting Mitt Romney? Uh, why am I supporting Mitt Romney? It's actually a funny story. I lost a basketball game. To a friend of mine, Alex Dern, who's a huge supporter of this show. Okay, so it sounds like you're not being very serious. But I'm also about this. I'm also disappointed in uh, the direction that Obama's taking this nation. Reels are but back yeah, in. Yeah, we'll be casting my ballot for Reels are in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, true that you she had to go skeptical. back and live with your parents after you graduated from college. Oh yeah, after I went to college for a bit, I had to go back and live with my parents this summer. I'm back on my own. Independent. I'm on national TV. I feel like I'm doing good. <laughs> All right, let's stop oh, it there. <laughs> he continues to go on. It goes on about another 15, 20 seconds. Uh, and <sighs> you can tell with this horrible grin on his face the entire time, he's just, he's he's milking it for everything he's got. Yeah, yeah. All right, now C-SPAN has a show called Washington Journal where they take calls. I've been on that show. Over and over. Yeah. And the Howard Stern pranks come often. But not just huh. Howard Stern pranks. And they got they get pretty adept at moving right through them once they happen. This is on C-SPAN's Washington Journal. Point centers with Travis Plunkett. We invite your phone calls of one of three lines. Our next call, Newark, New Jersey. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. I got myself into really bad debt. I was uh, paying one credit card off with another for over four years. Uh, I just went on and on. And, you know, I mean, I'm, like, really broke right now about the file bankruptcy I, you know I'm trying to get a penile implant I need to enlarge my uh, package to pick up the chicks these days you know, Oxford North Carolina is oh my God. Morning. Here, here's what's great about those is C-SPAN is so self-serious yes. they are sitting there and it's usually the biggest dork guest no offense to you or hey. whoever's sitting there and they've got this like little credit this this man who helps you rebuild your credit sitting there with yeah. just a straight face like oh god a bomb going off right in front of him <laughs> uh, now here's the that's deal great in my estimation Look, it could happen to any of us it has happened to me Yes. In my estimation, this is the number one best news prank of all time, and you, oh. for some reason, are not aware of it. Now, at least I don't think so. To what I've described for you so far, I don't think so. Asiana Airlines flight that crashed in San Francisco. Um, oh, hard to make this funny. Let's just play the clip. Okay. We have new information now also on the plane crash. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, We Tu Lo, Ho Li Fook, and Bang Ding Ao. Oh the NTSB God. has confirmed these are the names oh of the pilots on board flight 214 when it crashed. You we are, are joking. Exactly what roles each of them played during the landing. No, I'm not joking. What, what new, who, who that was is, that? That's a news anchor in San Francisco. Oh, my God. Reporting on the names of the pilots of the Asiana Airlines. Oh, Hines. my God. I, how do you not catch that? They came on the air a little later and apologized and said <laughs> they had not phonetically read them out loud. Oh, my God. 
by the way, the prank came from the National Transportation and Safety Board. At least in this situation, they could verify this was information coming from the NTSB. Wow. But it was an intern at the NTSB. So the mole was deep inside. Having a little fun. Wow. With a tragedy. <laughs> That's crazy. I had not, I, I don't, maybe I heard it at the time, but I don't remember it now. That's amazing. Captain Sumting Wong, we too low. I heard it. I heard it. Doesn't need repeating. I heard it. <laughs> it's the best one of all time. Am that's I right pre- or am that's I wrong? pretty good. That's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's an unenviable position to be in I'll when that what. happens to you. But it's funny. 888-900-3393. You get you can do it to us. Our phone lines are open. Oh, try us. Try us. Uh when we come back on Kane and Cup, um, Rolling Stone wasn't pranking when they wrote the worst <laughs> guns in America. I think they were. They were being serious. <laughs> we'll discuss that when we come back. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. If you are just tuning in, I have been relentlessly mocking Will Kane's decision to wear shorts today. Not only because it's inappropriate for a man of his age to wear shorts to work, but because they just aren't flattering on him. They just aren't flattering. And I did not tweet a picture because prior to this, um, he was too self-conscious. Decided not to let me. Well, that's been overturned. I think probably... Because one of our friends on Twitter, Noelle Nickpour, tweeted, wish you would have included a photo. He's the cutest pundit out there. I think that gave Will hey the boost hey, of confidence hey that he needed to say, okay. Call me. You could take a picture of me. Sure. So I did. It's on Twitter. Check it out. Let me know what you think. He's doing duck face in it. Let me tell you my as best. As an added comment. bonus. Can I just as give you the added best, bonus. the best comment on Twitter right now is, my my most favorable comment. Okay. Post picture. Okay. I've seen much worse. Oh. <laughs> well, I never said it was the worst. <laughs> I I did say it was a, it was an odd decision. It's an odd decision. But you can go on Twitter and say for yourself. Um. I'll take it all off. Oh, that's not necessary. <laughs> that's not necessary. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm sure you saw it because the Blaze did a thing on it. Others have been. Speaking of relentless mockery, relentlessly mocking Rolling Stone for this piece of, I don't know, what do you call this? It's not journalism. What is this? Piece I don't know. Of, I don't know what you call this, honestly. Piece of crap. Oh, okay. Uh, that they put out, it's called The List of Most Dangerous Guns. And really, it's a slideshow. So, I mean, that takes it outside the realm of journalism. My description actually is the most apt. It is not good. This is horrible, bad, junk, waste of words. Clickbait. I don't even think it's clickbait, Essie, by the way. I don't think this is like a a purposeful attempt to get people outraged. No, because it's not provocative. It's not provocative. It's crap. That's exactly what it is. It really is lazy, silly. Stupid. I mean, it's, 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 and look, I'm not saying this because I'm pro-gun, because I, 
I don't like Rolling Stone, whatever. I, I really don't have a, a dog in this fight. This is like inarguably, inarguably one of the worst things I've seen on the internet. <laughs> Let me just explain. It doesn't really need a whole lot of explanation. What would you, if you had to, if you were being asked, what is one of the most dangerous guns, what would you say? I would say some machine gun, some fully automatic gun. Sure. Would be one of my guesses. Okay. Um, well, a shotguns sawed off below a certain measurement have been outlawed. Yep. So I don't know if they're any more dangerous because they're extremely inaccurate. Any gun. But that would probably make the list. 50 caliber of some kind. Bear 50 cal, yeah. yeah. Look, any, any gun, any gun can be a dangerous gun in the hands right. of someone stupid or someone really really skilled. And by the way, I think most handgun murders are actually done with 22s. So you would put 22 up there. 22 is an incredibly dangerous weapon, whether it's a handgun or a rifle. That is a dangerous caliber. There's a reason why the mob got known for using 22s because that bullet will rattle around in someone's brain. Right. Uh I unfortunately know someone who was murdered with a 22. Really? Yeah. So you're right. And anyone who knows anything remedial about guns could come up with something better than what Rolling Stone said were the five most dangerous guns. Can I just say, so to to give the listener contrast to what the list we're about to hear, whether not you and I are right or wrong, whether yeah, it's yeah, 20s yeah. or 50 cals or 22 calibers or 50 calibers or fully automatic, we're talking about functional items in the gun, whether or not that makes it Fully automatic, yeah. semi-automatic, or the caliber of its bullet. This is the kind of specificity when you're actually trying to create a list that you might indulge. Yes, you'd talk, you'd talk about the things that make a gun dangerous. And even if you wanted to wade into the, the politics of this, you might even make a philosophical argument. Like, well, a dangerous gun is a gun in the hands of someone who is untrained. Or a dangerous gun is a gun in the hands of someone who is very a very prolific shot. I mean, you'd, you'd make any argument at all, that would let someone know you are a credible source of information on this topic. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of what Rolling Stone did. And again, this doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Once I tell you what their five most dangerous guns are, you'll get it. We don't, we don't really have to analyze it that much. Should I just go, go right into it? Yeah. Okay, the five most dangerous guns, according to Rolling Stone, are Pistols, revolvers, rifles, shotguns. Oh, here we go. Okay. And derringers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And derringers. We give it to me one more time, just okay. so I make sure <laughs> I got it all. And write it down. Yeah. Write it down. Because if you come across any one of these guns in your day to day life, you want to know okay, these are dangerous. All right. <laughs> one, pistols. Pistols. Pistols, most dangerous. Revolvers, rifles, shotguns, and derringers. All righty. <laughs> you got it? You got those dangerous guns? There's so many reasons. By the way, that's every gun. That's every gun. Yeah. There's so many that's reasons every gun! for the absurdity of this list, starting with that one. <laughs> that's every gun. Let me, this, I think the best rebuttal of some of the mocking it's received. Look, look at this um, uh, twitchy compiled tweets of people Mocking the Rolling Stone list. So these are the top five most dangerous knives. Yeah. Sharp ones. Yeah. <laughs> dull ones. Metal ones. Big ones. Yeah, I, I, big ones. And machetes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I have another one. The five most dangerous dogs. Big dogs. Uh -huh. Little dogs. 
medium-sized dogs, male dogs, and female dogs. Oh, see, but, okay. Both of our lists missed this ingredient. Here's your top five most dangerous musical instruments. Oh, okay. Percussions, woodwinds, <laughs> drums, a subset of percussions, but easily identifiable by the drum-like sound they make. <laughs> Number four, things that make musical sounds. And five, derringers. <laughs> and derringers. Well, you can't forget derringers. <laughs> so we go really broad, including subsets that even broader make it more broad. So uh, pistols and revolvers, pistols and, revolvers. <laughs> and then to cap it off, an antiquated, very specific gun, a collector gun, derringers, derringers, and muskets. I can't believe musket didn't make this list. Right? Unbelievable! This uh, I don't. I don't even. Again, it doesn't need any more. You don't need to say any more. Anyone listening with a remedial understanding. We'll, we'll think this is a joke. We can't be serious. Go online. It's at Rolling Stone. We also have it up on The Blaze. See the list for yourself. Write it down. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's not trolling. Write it down because you never know if you're going to come across a pistol, a revolver, a rifle, a shotgun, or a derringer and need to know, was this one of the dangerous guns? You know, the author of this tried... To take themselves somewhat seriously and use like FBI stats on the recovery at guns at crime scenes. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how often derringers are pulled these days. I just want, yeah, I want you to, I want you to know. And in, in the revolver slide, slide, he says, now he describes what a revolver is. It's because it has a revolving cylinder. Did you know that? I did. Okay. Um, he wants you to know that also some grenade launchers and shotguns and rifles also have rotating barrels. So in case you think those are exempted. <laughs> They're not. They're in not. Case, in case you think I forgot grenade launchers. <laughs> Just so you know. Also dangerous. <laughs> Did you know that pistols are popular among handgun owners? I, 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 there needs to be a good. <laughs> this what, is what's the analogy? Said, what's the analogy? This is what he says. Pistols popular among handgun owners. <laughs> I can't stop. Chihuahuas, popular <laughs> among dog owners. <laughs> no, it's wor- It's worse. It's worse. It's chihuahuas, popular among small breed dog owners with Mexican origins. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't, I just, I can't. I can't. I can't. Like rifles, shotguns are fired from the shoulder. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you about the gun? Uh, what does that... Uh, this doesn't. We're giving this way too much. I can't believe he didn't just put AR-15 in there and call it a day. Assault rifle. I can't either. I mean, even the most idiotic descriptions of guns that gun control people use, it's like always AR-15. Fully, automa- fully automatic gun. They don't know what a fully automatic gun is or, or that it's pretty much banned. Fully automatic gun. Semi-automatic gun. Assault rifle. AR-15. Use all the stupid terminology... He doesn't even go there. The stupidest gun control arguments, including those against AR-15s, are so much better than this. This is, this is like a five-year-old. Name all the guns. Okay, kids, in class today, we're going to name all the guns. Raise your hand. Pistols. Good. Let me write that down on the chalkboard. All right. Shotguns. Right. Good. Let me write that down. This guy is, uh, I'm done. We're done with this guy. That's enough of this. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right, when we come back, Hillary Clinton Hydra has Derringers. very high demands on 
her speaking engagements. What does she require to come speak to you when we come back on Kane and Cup? Will Kane and Desi Cup will continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm Will Kane along with SE Cup. We want to get to what Hillary requires for her to come speak at your school, your event, your organization. What that snack bar needs to include. What drinks need to be over at the drink cart in the green room. You actually don't have those details, but we do have some. Red M&Ms only. <laughs> Who's that? Who's famous White for that? White walls. Who's famous? Oh, it's like all of them. Like J-Lo had a crazy rider. All the Christina Aguilera has a crazy rider. Yeah. We'll talk about Hillary Clinton's rider to her speaking engagements. But first, let's go to Phil in Maryland who has something about the uh, the five most dangerous guns in America. Derringer. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Kane and Cup. <laughs> I think what we should have are the five most dangerous people of all times that work at the Rolling Stone magazine. I, I, I don't disagree. I think that's giving him a lot of credit, though. I know, but one, <laughs> first of all... Mm-hmm. The, all the editors. Okay. <laughs> Second, all the journalists. Okay. Third, all the cub reporters. Yep. Fourth, the photojournalists. Yeah. And then five, all the distributors of that rag. That's great. Okay, it was great until five because then you got to go hyper specific. You got to get your Derringer in there. <laughs> so all the reporters, all the John journalists, in the copy room. photojournalists, <laughs> and Matt Taibbi. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, I, I forgot. I. Uh, you have to excuse me. And you have to even, yeah, there, there, there needs to be a, a super broad category like um, everyone that gets paid. Right. Oh, that, that, that's what I'm, oh. <laughs> All right, Phil, thanks for the call. Thank Good you. call. All right, Essie. Oh, yeah. Give me Hillary Clinton's writer. To well, you probably heard about this this week before actual news stories happened because this is what we do, um, you know, and when we're watching, watching Hillary, Hillary watchers, we talk about, all of these kinds of things. Well, it turns out she got paid $275,000 for a speech at the University of Buffalo. Gasp. Shock horror. A lot of money. That's a lot of money. I think it's proper to be um, surprised, I guess, at how much money you can make on the speaking circuit. Didn't I see something like $3,000 a minute, essentially? Wow. Yeah, I mean, she gets paid a lot of money to speak. And we learned a little bit about her demands. I don't know if these are at every speech, but her demands at this speech included a teleprompter and a qualified operator. A presidential, hold on, a a presidential teleprompter. So a glass. A glass see-through one, yeah. See-through one. Yeah. Which are are rare. That's not a common thing to have at a speaking engagement. All right. Uh, she gets final experience. She got she gets final approval of her introducer and the moderator, as well as approval of the sets and the backdrops, the banners, the scenery, the logo, the settings, etc. Uh, she gets sole discretion over the topic and length of her speech. She gets a couple um, designated seats for guests. She gets security paid for by the university. Um, stuff like that. 
Control over the Q&A sessions. Control over the yep. journalist access to her. Yep. Before uh, and after a, the speech. A pre-speech pre reception closed to the media. Uh, the event itself was open to the press. Uh, the university pay for a stenographer to transcribe her speech. Now, look, I gotta, I'll be honest. For someone running for Hillary... And for so, uh, for someone running for, for someone running for president, and because that someone running is Hillary, this is not a flattering story. All this does is contribute to the narrative that she is out of touch, that she doesn't, her personal story does not jibe with her middle class narrative. It doesn't. There's no middle class narrative. Well, she thinks she has one. She thinks that she is a champion of the middle class. She thinks that she has policies that have championed the middle class. That's what she talks about, her civil rights experience, her experience helping the poor, her experience helping average Americans. That doesn't really jibe with her personal experiences, which, which is that she hasn't driven herself in eight years, which is that she gets paid millions in speaking events uh, from people like Goldman Sachs and these these kinds of uh, you know universities. I mean, her, her life does not read middle-class champion. No. And nor has she had a, a very easy time explaining her success and her wealth. So this is a very damaging story. That said, I'm, I'm actually not all that shocked by any of this. I'm aware of how much people of her stature get paid to speak. She didn't create the number. I mean, if, if someone's willing to pay it, I don't begrudge her for accepting it. It goes to her charity. I wouldn't care if she kept it. I wouldn't. It goes to her foundation, the Clinton Foundation. I wouldn't care if she kept this money. Yeah, look. I Having sole discretion over what she says, over the Q&A, over the settings, that's all very smart. I think we would begrudge her if she let a lot of this slip and then all of a sudden she's responsible for bad decisions that other people make. None of this bothers me. What, what... What is problematic is that she is running for president, and this is an unseemly addition to her narrative. These details are important, and they're good to know because they help define the character and the ability and the intellect of the person you're potentially electing. So when we talk about these stories about um, Mariah Carey requiring that all green M&Ms be removed mm -hmm. from an M&M bowl before she goes on to Jimmy Fallon— that's interesting. It tells us something about Mariah Carey. I, by what the way, does this tell you about way, Hillary Clinton? I made that up. I don't know if that's Mariah Carey. Yeah, but what I don't understand. What does this tell you about Hillary Clinton that it wouldn't tell you about Mitt Romney or George W. Bush, Dick Cheney? Well, we wouldn't know if they have those same requirements and those I same bet you they specifications. Do. I on bet you they do. Well, you need to back up that bet there, But tell me, pretend. Okay, so we don't know then. Let's take your word. This is unique to Hillary. What does this tell you about Hillary Clinton? That she's extremely manufactured. She's extremely controlled that in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan, and I remember this from when I was a kid, anybody that got into a pres uh, you know, a political debate, my dad and somebody else debate, they used to talk about Ronald Reagan, they would say, those the, his naysayers, that all of the questions from the press galley were, were vetted ahead of time and scripted for him. That's what they would say. I don't know if it's true or uh -huh. not. He took no off-the-cuff questions. Uh -huh. That's what you're looking at right here. Pre-approved everything. I, I, I think And so does that tell you something about her? Yeah, yes. you're right. You're right. You're right that um this is a person who is controlling her image down to the last detail. This I do not begrudge. I'm sorry. I, I don't like her politics. And I as a, as from an analysis point of view, 
this does not make her look good. I, I, well, but, th- but I think you need to. I think you need to analyze that. I mean, it doesn't make her look good, and there's a reason for that. It's not just a flaw in in image making. It is that you are so diligently image making, that you are so manufactured, and you have some diva uh, requirements there. Yes, I don't know that the. I don't. I don't know. I. I if George W. Bush had this exact same writer, mm-hmm. I would find it completely appropriate. He'd be a diva as well. I think someone of that stature is probably going to have those kinds of requirements. I don't think it's what is a, a what do you call a male a equivalent of a diva? That's usually reserved a devo. <laughs> That's is a that devo. Re- seriously? Yeah, a devo. Yeah, like the band. That band. Uh, if that helps you, <laughs> sure. I've never heard that. A devo. Devo. Oh, I thought that was devo. They're playing for a moment. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't that have been great? If Jose had ready for us a Devo cut, that would have been weird, actually. Okay, coming up next, um, it was the call heard around the world. The call heard around the world to Comcast. I'm breaking up with you. We're going to talk about that next on Kane and Cub. This is Kane and Cup, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Kane and Cup. What seems to be the problem? Well, I want to return this jacket, and she asked me why, and I said for spite, and now she won't take it back. Uh, that's true. We can't return an item based purely on spite. Well, so fine, then. Then I don't want it. That's why I'm returning it. Well, you already said spite, so... I changed my mind. No? You said spite. Too late. Too late. (laughs) Can't return something for spite. (laughs) By the way, can I just tell you... You know how last week was the 25th anniversary of Seinfeld? Did not know that. What? How did you get through the week without knowing that? It was I was like bombarded by it. I I, I did not know that. Um, you know I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. No. And because it was the 25th anniversary, I got so many emails from friends circulating these lists of like Oh, Rolling Stone did one actually. Stupid list of like the the top actors who got cameos on Seinfeld that ended up becoming big actors. Number one, anybody who ever appeared on camera. Every number two, yeah, <laughs> anyone yeah. that received a paycheck. Yeah, um, and like you know the top most memorable quotes from Seinfeld. Anyway, I, all of these lists were circulating, and all my friends sent them to me, which of course I found incredibly offensive. <laughs> Why? I was indignant. Like, I need reminding what the top moments from Seinfeld are. I, this is, I, I, I was indignant. I was indignant. You can Imagine. be very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But li- this is how I interpreted it. Imagine your child is turning six years old. And I sent you, I, your friend, said, Happy birthday. Here are some memorable moments from his life. You'd be like, 
He's my child. I know what the moments are. Seinfeld's not your child. Yes, it is. Seinfeld's not yours. Yes, it is. Solely. It's <laughs> Solely. That's I was offended. I don't need reminding. I'm aware of the greatest moments. I can recite them. So you need to if learn the concept of sharing. No, I'm going to talk about this. appreciate that I'm a fan. No, let me tell you something. I'm going to talk about this a little later in the show and parenting. You need some parenting advice. Oh. And we're going to talk about the concept of sharing and whether or not you should force it your children. That's not Tommy. Make sure you're sharing. The point I'm saying is I have something like you have Seinfeld, right? I, I have my thing. It's Big Lebowski, okay? Okay. I can communicate exclusively through Big Lebowski yes, lines. Right, yeah. I don't need other things to fill in the gaps. We will know what each other are talking about when I run into another Big Lebowski fan. Right. And that's the point. You share. Yeah. It's a connector. Between human beings. No, but it's not I do. yours. You don't no, hoard mine. it in the corner it's mine. and get upset when somebody else references it. Yes, it's mine. But I do share it with other Seinfeld lovers. Like, I do a, a, a weekly radio call-in to my friend John Justice, who has a radio show in Tucson, and we talk about Seinfeld. We make references to Seinfeld. I love this. And do you know what he said to me? Essie, I almost sent you a link this week on some kind of Seinfeld celebration, but I didn't. Because I thought you'd probably seen it. That's a friend. That's a friend who appreciates what it is to be a fan. All you people that tried to share a moment with Essie. No. And thanks for nothing. Thought she might appreciate something. Just remember (laughs) who we're talking about here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for nothing. Um, Speaking of thanks for nothing. Ever tried to break up with a service provider? I have. Everyone has. You move. You get tired of the service. You want to cancel it. It is nearly impossible. As one poor, sorry soul found out when he tried to break up with Comcast. Let's take a listen. I'm just trying to figure out here what it is about Comcast service that you're not liking, that you're not wanting to keep. I mean, why this, is it that you this, don't want to this, keep that service? This phone call is a really actually amazing representative example of why I don't want to stay with Comcast. So can you please cancel our service? So, so from, from, okay, but I'm trying to help you. Okay, okay. You can, the way that you can help me right now, the way that you can help me is by disconnecting our service. That's how you but can help me. how is that helping you, though? How because that's that what I want. Explain to me how that's helping That's you. what I want. Okay, so why is that what you want? Because that's what I want. Okay, so, I mean, there has to be some sort of reason behind it. That, that's what we're trying to find out. We just want to find out what it is that's causing a customer that's been with us for a long time to leave. Oh, my God. This one, this was like a twenty-minute phone call. That's actually the the integral detail. That- yes, this was twenty minutes of badgering. Why? Why don't you want? Why? Why? I'm why? just trying to figure out why. To, let me help you. you don't let want me help you. The best service. Why? Why? I, I, I. If you listen to it, it's in its entirety. It's like it's abusive. It feels abusive, and it got me thinking: in what other life scenario would this kind of behavior? Be acceptable. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why we accept it in this scenario because these these are monopolies. You can't you can't. Where are you going to go? You know, you move into a place, you find out. Oh, okay, I get Comcast here, or I get Verizon here. You have, in most cases, one option mm-hmm. for service. One option. It's the same with cell phones. I mean, sometimes you move to a place. Verizon's the only thing you can get, or AT and T's the only thing you can get. I think, by the way, your explanation is 70% correct, the monopoly aspect of it. I do think there's something. There must be corporate. I would love to talk to somebody who works at Verizon or Comcast or the IRS, for that matter, who they have to have done research on 
the effectiveness of this of wearing someone down of yes. bureaucratically yes. bogging them down until they just quit yeah just and so you break you break and you're like screw it i you can have my two hundred dollars i don't know but that's what I'm it's not like. gonna fight for my two hundred dollars anymore it's like torture eventually you will break everybody breaks that's the first rule of torture. Everybody breaks. I mean, if you're on the phone for two hours, you start asking yourself, "I'm at a hundred dollars an hour, it? right?" Yeah. But it 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 got me thinking. Where else would would you tolerate this behavior for twenty minutes? Like, if if I if I were trying to break up with someone, and they just kept asking why, I'd call the police. I would call the police within ten minutes. Now, I might be a little trigger happy on the police. I call the police for any number of reasons. <laughs> like um, when a neighbor talks to me in a weird way, I might be on the phone with the police. Or attempts to share Seinfeld lists with you and <laughs> Granted. have like Granted. societal connections, human interaction. It's a short, it's a short leash. However, let's try let's try it. I'd like to try this. It's over. I'd like try to break up with I me. I am and right let me, now. Let me tell you how this would go. This is gonna be so easy. <laughs> Go ahead. I've practiced this moment. I mean, Essie, I want to talk to you about something. Yeah. I've been giving this a lot of thought. Uh-huh. We need to go our separate ways. What? What do you mean? Why? It's over. Why? I just don't think it's working out between us. Uh, try to help me understand why you don't think I can give you what you need. <laughs> I, uh... I, I just think it's time. I think... But I deserve a reason. You irritate me. You owe me a reason. <laughs> There's someone else. But what can this other person give you that I can't give you? I don't understand. We are the best... I am the best provider for you. What what can't I give you? What are you getting from this other person? Well, one time I sent her a list about uh, her favorite lines in Seinfeld, and she didn't berate me afterward. <laughs> but 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 why? Well, you have to ask her why she didn't do that, but it, 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 I liked it. But, but I'm getting you here. Why? Well, that's because you got specific and he didn't. <laughs> this this Comcast guy refused to give a reason. Okay, can I point out something? By the way, yeah, that's happened every day, multiple times a day. Breakups go just like that. It's a little scary, and it works. Let you're oh, not, yeah. no, you're it not breaking work. up with me. That's you right. You are not breaking up with and me. And you're like, oh. And after a three-hour conversation of Let's just tired head, you're like, screw it. Let's just stay together. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Imagine this scenario: if, um, if, if you were trying to fire me, for example, try to fire me. Uh, Essie, could you come in for a moment and please sit down? Uh huh. We're gonna have to let you go. Why? We've made a company decision. We're just going to go in a different direction. But what am I not giving you? Um, right now, we've just decided that we uh, we don't have a place for your. Why? Talents. The company's just decided that we. But we why? To be- I'm trying to understand why. I can't. And by the way, this is how employment uh, terminations go as well. Meaning they don't give you specificity. They can't. Well, if I did this for 20 minutes, you would call security. You'd call security. Absolutely. Right. After a while, yes. 20 minutes, you would call security. Um, it's just, it's crazy to me that we put up with this kind of behavior. And let me tell you, this guy's not alone. It's not like he's the only one that this has ever happened to. Happens. I don't know. I don't know. If I'm on the other end of that, um, I don't know what I do. You hang up. But then, but then they win. Yeah. You hang up, they win, your service is not disconnected. 
I don't know, maybe putting him on blast like this um, changes something. I doubt it. Not I him. I doubt it. Comcast. No, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I bet. I bet this is just... I bet it's really effective, and most times it works. And I bet Comcast, if this had not gone public, would be congratulating this guy for a, working real hard at this. I don't know. Drives me crazy, though. All right, when we come back, Will's going to tell us something surprising about body art. Body art. I hope it's not about your body art. Well, I've shown off half my body this morning. It's not art. The next half, next on Cannon Cup. This is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Jose in our. Um control room was good enough to find another example of someone famously trying to break up with their service provider. This is from 2006. Uh, This is a guy trying to cancel his AOL subscription. We've all been there. Cancel the account. Well, explain to me what's what. I'm not explaining anything to you. Cancel the account. Well, what's the matter, man? So, I mean, we're just, I'm just trying to help here. You're not right. helping me. You're helping me with yeah, I am trying to help. Helping okay. me, listen, I called to cancel the account. Helping me would be canceling the account. Please help me and cancel No, I wouldn't, actually. Cancel Turn my off account. your account. Cancel the account. The worst thing that... Cancel the account. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because I'm just trying to figure out... Cancel the account. I don't know how to make this any clearer for you. Cancel the account. When I say cancel the account... I don't mean help me figure out how to keep it. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what anybody's done to you, Vincent. You please it's not all... all right. Someday, when you calm down, you're going to realize all I was trying to do was help you, and it was actually in your best interest to listen. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> Cancel the account. I love this guy. I, the, the guy on the other end at AOL is a, is a little more of a bro, you can tell, in that, you know, hey, man. What's what are you getting so upset about? This is all the hostility. Man, I like that he almost says, "No, canceling the account would be the worst thing." That and I he could does do it. For you. He does it. He doesn't finish it because he knows there's do no think, right ending are, to that. Are these guys working on commission? Uh, do yeah. not lose accounts, or are they told if somebody cancels account and you do not get the reason why, you are fired? What is forcing these guys? Because those guys don't want to be asking those questions, especially that many times. There's some protocol. That they're following, yes. that if they do not, there's some massive repercussion, yeah. financial or losing your job. Something's going on. Someday, when you've calmed down, you're going to realize, I was just trying to help you out, man. No, you're not. <laughs> Judy in Pittsburgh. What do you say, Judy? How are you? Good. You guys are great together. I just wanted you to know that. Thanks. Um, that that little bit that was done with the canceling the, the account thing. Yeah. You know, the person who asks the questions is the one who wins. It's a simple sales technique. As long as you're asking the questions, you're the one that's in charge. How do you know this, Judy? Are you are you in sales? I have been, yeah. I've done a lot of things in my life, and that's one of the things. <laughs> but that, that, oh. I mean, it truly, come on, Nessie, you were the one that was asking the questions. Right. Well, you had him keeping you. You made him do the answering. And, you know, um, hmm. 
companies do this often, and it's it's going to it seems to show how um, what's the word is it complacent that we have become that yeah. we let the we let this happen. I mean, in in real life, you just say Chuck you Farley, you know, <laughs> and hang up the phone. It's a lot easier when yeah. it's in person, right? It's when it becomes anonymous, bureaucratic. Well, and you need you need something from this person. No accountability. Well, well, you don't. There are plenty of there are plenty of um, companies out there. You just don't. No, no, but you need this person to cancel your account. Oh you no, can't... you don't. You just don't pay it. Oh well, that's a different technique, I guess. Then they turn you into the credit agency, though, Judy. To collect, you you have you you try to cancel it. The hell. Yeah, but then they turn you into credit because it looks like you're delinquent. Oh well, you know what? Remember? (laughs) (laughs) Remember when Kramer tried to uh, cancel the mail? No. So you now, Judy, you know how much less of you she thinks? Yeah, she's Judy, judging you right now. No, she's I'm judging so you. I'm so sad. I'm not judging. Thanks for your call, Judy. No, K- Kramer tries to, uh, K- Kramer gets all these catalogs. He gets, you know, like a five-gallon, right. five-pound catalog from Pottery Barn, tries to cancel the mail, and he has to go to the source. He has to go to the post office, the postmaster general. It says, I want to cancel the mail. There was a business and that they was won't started. Let him. That's right. They wouldn't <laughs> let him. Somebody started a business. I just read about this recently. They will virt- create your... Your mail, they'll make it virtual mail for you. So you don't have to go get all these catalogs. They'll sort it. You'll get a digital list of everything there. You can say what you want or you don't want. They'll scan it and then send it to you. So you don't have to get all of this weighted paper material. But the Postal Service went after them. The Postal Service quit complying because that's what had to happen. The Postal Service had to be a willing participant to hand over the mail to a third party, right? To sign it over and to hand it over to a third party so they could digitally transcribe it or uh, scan it in for you. Remember all the stuff over the, like, the do not subscribe to the call list? Remember there was uh, right. some legislation that yeah. came out if of If you it? put your name on a list and they yeah, can't stop Yeah, the do not call. You. That's right. That's right. Just leave us alone! All right, we get serious when we come back on Canon Cup, talk about a reporter in New Jersey that was fired for editorializing, and not just editorializing, editorializing over race. When we come back on Canon Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cobb. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Will Kane S.E. Cobb. R. Kane and Cobb. Kane and Cobb. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. I'm Will Kane. I'm um, Earlier this week, there was a story out of New Jersey. A 23-year-old police officer was ambushed and killed. Um, a memorial was set up to the cop killer. News 12 in New Jersey did a story on this, and they apparently were bombarded with outraged calls over the fact that they reported on the cop killer's name, that they gave attention to the cop killer. Well, reporter Sean Bergen addressed that, said he went into the story knowing that he had already had pushback from the community over the fact that they had coverage to the cop killer, but he felt like it was an issue that should be covered. And this is what his news report sounded like, at least the tail end of it. Now, it's worth noting that we were besieged, flooded with calls from police officers furious that we would give media coverage to the wife of a cop killer. It's understandable. 
We decided to air it because it's important to shine a light on this anti-cop mentality that has so contaminated America's inner cities. This same sick, perverse line of thinking is evident from Jersey City to Newark and Patterson to Trenton. It has made the police officer's job impossible, and it has got to stop. The underlying cause for all of this, of course, young black men growing up without fathers. Unfortunately, no one in the news media has the courage to touch that subject. For that, for those comments, Schaumbergen was suspended. He was a freelance reporter. Uh, he said making about $1,300 a week, filing stories almost on a daily basis. They told him he would be cut back to filing one story a week, and it would be on a beat he was not normally covering. He was suspended. I believe he, from there, quit the station hmm. over those comments, hmm. over the fact that those comments were so harshly dealt with. Well, it's interesting. I read about this story, but that's actually the first time I listened to the audio. And it made a difference because to me that sounded scripted. To me it sounded like it might have even been impromptu. Hmm. Play that again. Can you play that again for us, Jose? Now, it's worth noting that we were besieged, flooded with calls from police officers furious that we would give media coverage to the wife of a cop killer. It's understandable. We decided to air it because it's important to shine a light on this anti-cop mentality that has so contaminated America's inner cities. This same sick, perverse line of thinking is evident from Jersey City to Newark and Patterson to Trenton. It has made the police officer's job impossible, and it has got to stop. The underlying cause for all of this, of course, young black men growing up without fathers. Unfortunately, no one in the news media has the courage to touch that subject. You think that's scripted? Sounded it. It, that did not sound like a reporter going rogue. It sounded like a reporter knowing, uh, planning to say something, knowing he was going to get some backlash, and explaining, this is why we've decided to air this, and here is my explanation. Look, there are two different angles to this story. That's one of them. Many people are pointing out, okay, this is a reporter editorializing outside the bounds of his job. And he went on Megyn Kelly a little later in the week, and he said, I did go off the reservation in that sense. Um I know you and I talked about this last night. You said clearly right there, that's worthy of a suspension. Fireable. That's totally fireable. Um, whether you agree with the, the, the substance, um, that is not a reporter's job. And his decision to editorialize um, might have been a brave one from a personal standpoint, but it's absolutely a fireable fence. I'm, I, I'm sure, I am certain that he knew that. So I haven't actually uh, mentally indulged that aspect of this debate because I feel like it's the least important. Um, what I th Look, the reason this guy got this pushback is not because he editorialized. I'm sure he, if we poured over his tapes or any other reporter's tapes for that matter, we could find incidences and examples of editorializing. Reporters do it all the time. Right or wrong is not the question or the, what I'm presenting to you. They do it all the time. The reason he was suspended in this case was because he editorialized over race, a very sensitive subject. He said that when he was on Megyn Kelly. He goes, I realize this is a very sensitive subject. But the question is, should it be? Mm -hmm. Should this one have raised everybody's uh, hair on the back of their neck? Should it have caused the National Association of Black Journalists to speak out against this? And the answer to that, to me, has to be no. Look. We already, in every debate we have almost, have to battle the racist versus non-racist dichotomy. It seems to be broken down, not just on every issue, but every speaker. Is this person a racist or are they not a racist? And how can I mm -hmm. intuit what they just said and decide one of those two outcomes? 
an act of love is to care. Okay, racists don't care about people who look different than them, who have different races than them. The fact of the matter is 72% of black children in America are born into single-parent family homes, unwed mother homes. That is not a healthy thing. And that's not me or Sean Bergen or anybody passing that value judgment. You can hear it from Jesse Jackson to Al Sharpton talking about this is not good. Mm -hmm. To Bill Cosby. I mean, there are plenty of people who have brought that issue up. And I'm sure you're right that because race is such a sensitive issue, uh, the fact that he was a reporter who editorialized was the excuse. Mm -hmm. And really what they wanted to do was sanction the comments. Um, but at the same time, that is not his job. Yeah, I know. I and know. I, know I, I know you want to separate those things, but the point that I'm trying to make is because it's so sensitive, there is a responsibility to have that conversation in context with facts, with, uh, people from both sides explaining it to just go out there and issue this statement, this declaration Without much of an explanation, at least from what I heard, maybe maybe more came before it or after it, but all I heard was, here's what I'm doing, here's why I think, peace out. That's irresponsible. You're right. It's irresponsible for a reporter. It would be irresponsible for an opinion journalist to leave it there as well. You're right. It was not given its appropriate uh, right. due and depth, but he's right at the end when he says, this is a conversation no one has the con- uh, courage to have. That's true, and I'm hoping that he understood the consequences. I'm going to be brave, and I'm going to get fired. If that's a, a risk he took, then he's a brave guy who sacrificed his job to get a point out there. I wish he'd gotten the point out there in a more contextualized and responsible fashion. But look, there are concepts, we talk about this all the time. You're Edward Snowden, right? There's consequences. Yes, you want to be brave, you want to be courageous, you want to go out there, you want to be a whistleblower. There's a consequence for not following the proper protocol. The consequence is you could be arrested. That's the consequence. You accept that consequence. Yeah. The consequence for his actions, brave or not, you get fired. I guess I just see this comment. I see it twisted and torn and, and turned into what eventually is, wow, can you believe this guy going on and just brazenly pontificating on the black community and and um, and what more, slandering it to some degree and suggesting that single uh, single parent families in the black community leads to cop killers. That's that's not what he did. Right. And that's not what he said. He said no. it's a fundamental problem. Is there a direct connection? Is there a direct link between um, single parent families and and animosity towards the cops in that community? Sean needs to make his case. You're right. It needs to be more it needs to be more time, more depth. Yeah. It, but is it a, is it a core fundamental problem? Yes. Yeah, and and, and that and- kind of problem can lead to many things. A problems with authority, it can lead to anything. It is a fundamental problem in any culture, any society. And the fact is, if 72% of black children in America right now are being raised and born into families without fathers, that's not good. And it's an act of love to point it out and say, we need to fix it. I completely, completely agree. And I think we both agree he could have done that in a better way. In his defense, I am betting that he is a beat reporter mm-hmm. who has been covering this for some time. Not just he this said incident. that, by the way, in his, right. in his in his interview with Megyn Kelly, he said, I have been dealing with crime, yeah. reporting on crime in the inner city for quite some time. I'm sure this is not the first cop killing case he's had to report on. And so I'm sure he is bringing some of his history on this issue 
to bear when he's doing this. And we actually, we talked about this on Real News the other night too, the same way that reporters who have been steeped in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right, bring their own, cannot help but bring their own opinions right. to that story. Uniquely, because you can you can report on all kinds of conflicts without having very deep-seated, passionate, strong opinions on who's right. And it's really difficult for people on that conflict to suppress their feelings. I think I think that's probably what was happening with this guy. He's been covering this a long time. He's sick of it. He's sick yeah. of it. And I think the consequences were right. But it's commendable that he said something. I just wish he'd done it differently. Well, you know, you bring up the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. What I'll tell you this is I've been doing this for about four or five years now and interacting with news anchors. And I will tell you, to the most extent, objectivity is a falsehood, okay? It's aspirational, and I think the best can accomplish it. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a high standard. I honestly don't know Jake Dapper's politics, and I think that is a reflection of how good he is yeah. at aspiring and achieving objectivity. Yeah, that's right. Um, but most, I can read through. Uh-huh. I can see it. And that means it's not being masked. And the right. problem there becomes... You're selling me a falsehood. You're selling me objectivity, and I can see it's not present. Yeah. Um, it's a struggle in the news business to the extent that I would suggest, and I've often thought, it'd just be better if everybody just said what they think. Right. Just lay their cards on the table, tell me what you believe, and then I can filter on my own through that honesty. Right. Well, the problem with this guy is that others are trying to read into his comments a bias. And I don't think that's right. I think, like I said, he's been covering this a long time, and he's making... Uh, a statement that he thinks is based on fact, the facts of the case as he sees them, covering it over however long he's been doing this. I, I, so so I don't I don't think this is a bias coming out the way that we see some biases come no, out. No, it's an opinion. Other, it's an opinion. It's an opinion, but I bet it's an educated one. I bet it's not an, an opinion informed by hostility toward young black men. I mean, I bet it's an opinion based on the experience he's had covering this issue. So look, here's here's what got me going on this. You're right. Look, the guy broke down the wall of objectivity. He opined when he's supposed to be a reporter. But his final statement that this is a conversation that nobody has the courage to have yeah. and then being suspended afterwards, to me, it's just such an unhealthy thing for society to venture out onto the ledge, suggest we should have a conversation and have it completely shut but down. Let me and I understand this, the reasons why. No, but, but let me turn it around. Because imagine a reporter right? Someone you trusted to give an objective news story at the end of a mass shooting said, and you know what? This is because the NRA XYZ and no one has the courage to say, you'd want that guy fired. You would want that guy fired and you'd be right. Yeah. So uh, yes, we agree with the guy and, and, and I think it was courageous for him to do. I bet people on the other side of the aisle would think it was courageous for a news reporter to talk smack about the NRA after a shooting. Doesn't make it right. And it, we have to hold to some standards, some standards as difficult as they are to meet in the news reporting business or else all trust, all trust is lost. I think you're right. I still don't like conversations being shut down, but I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. When we come back, I promised you that I would tell you uh, that we'd explore other parts of the body. Not mine, honestly, but uh, body art and a new corporate law. If you thought Comcast's policies might be offensive, wait till you hear about mm-hmm. the new potty rules. What? At one business here in the United States. When we come back on Kane and Cup. This is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network.
part of the next generation of talk radio. Kane and Cup is on. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about a reporter in New Jersey who, when reporting on um, anti-cop sentiment in the inner cities in New Jersey, um, suggested the fundamental problem was young black men growing up without fathers. He was suspended for that editorialization, for that comment. Let's go to Keith in North Carolina. Keith, what do you think? Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey, I think that it all boils down to this. I mean, was it his job to editorialize? No, probably not. But I think that it boils down to the fact that it was just the station kind of CYA kind of covering their backside because they knew that when he said that, with him being a, a white journalist, that, and, and bringing up race, so that was going to get some serious blowback. So they went ahead and suspended him and put him in a, in a position that they knew that he wouldn't. I mean, right. going from right. the, the amount of money that he was bringing in, cutting his pay that much, that he wouldn't stand for, that he would go ahead and, and, and resign, leave the station anyway. So that kind of covered them. They wouldn't have to deal with it. All right, Keith, thanks for the call. I think I, I think you're right. I think it wouldn't be the first time, as I said, that we could find out that this reporter or any other at that station editorialized. That being said, I think, SE, you made a compelling case that um, you can come up with 10 other examples where a reporter editorialized over a sensitive issue and just dropped the ball, dropped the mic, made yeah. his declarative and walked away. And, yeah. and it wouldn't be appropriate. I get, I get why the station did it. Um, I think they were right to do it, whether as, or, as as Keith suggests, because of backlash they knew was coming or or because they considered it a fireable offense. It doesn't matter. They did the right thing. Um, I, I hope he's glad he said it and thinks that his sacrifice was worth it. And we need to have a conversation about that. But I don't know that that's that was the the. The best use of his airtime. All right, so let me do this. I want to quickly run through a couple news you can lose stories. I've teased oh, this good. twice. Uh, body art. I've got an interesting little factoid for you. Did you know that tattoo removal is up 440%? When, since when? I, I don't know. Well, you, I hate well, it when what? you ask me for details. What? <laughs> on my stories. I, since since the Middle Ages or since like this year? <laughs> <laughs> that that makes a difference. Since 1963. Sorry. Since 1963. Really? I, I imagine the statistic must be over the past year. Okay, okay. We'll you know, just pretend. That's the stat that most people... <laughs> I can Google it right now. We'll pretend that it's in the last year. Tattoo removal is up 400-something percent. Why do you think that's that surprising. is? That's surprising. Why do you think that is? Um, I think I think tattoos and that kind of sort of aesthetic stuff that's um that goes in and out of fashion. And... You know, maybe it'll get more popular and then less popular and more popular and less popular. I, I think those those are things that just go in and out of fashion. And Here's maybe, what I think. Maybe we're on a downturn. Here's what I think. I think that tattoos were reserved for rebels and sailors back in the 70s and 80s. Okay. And in the 90s, it got it, 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 it more fashionable. It yeah. got more mainstream. And yeah. everybody started getting a tattoo. And it wasn't such a rebellious thing to have a tattoo. Totally. Or it was, but it was an acceptable rebellion. Yeah, totally. Um, and I have a tattoo. And I'm a p- pretty clean cut, you know. But people person. like you and people in the '90s that got tattoo are arriving at the age where regret is finally settling in, and they're oh. feeding the demand for the tattoo removal. That's why it's up. I bet you're right. I don't have regrets, but I bet you're right. It didn't have to be a personal thing. <laughs> no, but I bet you're right that that is what is driving most of this. That 
the people who got it in the 90s are grown grownups now and think ah, maybe maybe um you know getting that uh things not stretching out so well barbed wire <laughs> across my bicep wasn't wasn't the best idea or we we pulled this up the other day we had this conversation somebody said and then the whole tattoo in the small of your back became branded a tramp stamp and everybody's like wait wait what do i have yeah <laughs> yeah right wait this isn't cool anymore this isn't sexy oh okay um so tattoo removals up 440% over the last 30 days um, <laughs> 30 days <laughs> always bringing us the facts what's up what's Pipe our last 10 years tattoo removals uh, have gone up oh a quick fact check over the last 10 years thank you my for bringing some facts my 440% my theory is right then over the 90s it's the 90s people yeah but your facts were wrong because you said it was this year set that aside <laughs> here's another fact for you <laughs> company in Chicago, I'm going to pull up the uh, name of this company, Water Saver Faucet Company has instituted official rules. You cannot go to the bathroom longer than six minutes. You, you Is this in a day? You can't spend more than six minutes a day in the washroom. What? Outside of normal work breaks. Wow. I didn't know it was cumulative. <laughs> I wow. It, I thought it was in a setting when I first read the story. That's in Toto. Wow. I bet this doesn't last. There's How no way they, that's legal. Do you punch in and out? I mean, I don't know. They There's have monitors. no way that's Clearly, legal. they have monitors. Uh, all it takes is one pregnant woman to complain about that. All it takes is one guy after breakfast. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Six minutes in total. <laughs> Cumulative. Yeah. You burn through that by 10 a.m. <laughs> it's impossible. That is crazy. That is bathroom, crazy. Everybody's rushing around in there. Quickly, what, what are you doing, man? I'm down to my last five minutes. <laughs> I'm down one, one minute. <laughs> I've got only one minute in my bank. Can I trade you minutes? Ooh. A yeah. black market, like a cap and trade system yeah, exactly. for, for minutes. Exactly. On the break. Exactly. That doesn't last. There's no way. Essie's having a baby. She needs parenting advice. Oh. I'm here to give it <laughs> when we come back on Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Kane and Cup returns now. You know, I hear that tattoo removal is actually very, very painful and expensive. Yeah, much worse than actually getting a tattoo. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars and uh, like burning skin type. Yeah, it's, like, a mis- it's an expensive mistake. Mark in Maryland, what do you know about tattoo removal? Well, uh, this is back uh, when I was in the service. We had this guy we were working with on the line, and uh, he's in the Navy, and one day he took his shirt off. And uh, we saw all these names on his arm. He had this beautiful heart on there and everything with all this other golden filigree. But then he had a name there and had a, had a line crossed through it. Oh. Then another name and another line crossed through <laughs> it. All the way down to six. Oh, my. And they, were, they consisted of his, 
Ex-girlfriends and ex-wives. Oh, my. That I like. Don't remove it. Cross it out <laughs> and add to the list. That was before they came out with all this new laser stuff. Yeah. You had to cross it out back in the day. I'm betting <laughs> you that was at the behest of his whoever he was currently dating at the time. Old school tattoo well, removal. Well, he finally married number seven, had a pass with kids, and didn't even bother getting her name put on. <laughs> oh, wow. No. Thanks, for the, <laughs> thanks for the call, Mark. <laughs> um, old school tattoo removal. Yeah. All right, I got a parenting story for you, Essie. Um, it never ends. This is a story out of South Carolina. A 46-year-old black woman named Deborah Harrell um, has been arrested and her child put into foster care. Why? Because she took her 9-year-old daughter to the park and left her while she went to work. She gave the child a cell phone. Who The child had previously, uh, I think, had, had stayed at home, played with a laptop, uh, the, they had been robbed, the laptop stolen. And the child said, can I go to a, this popular playground? 40 kids, a splash pad, splash pad, um, play at this playground. And the nine-year-old girl wanted to go and had played there for like three days. Not not without her mom returning, you know. <laughs> camped out? Over, Did she camp out? <laughs> every day over three days. Until on the third day, an, an adult uh, asked her, hey, where's your mom? She said she's at work. And she called the cops. And so, again, this lady has been arrested. As I said, the daughter had a cell phone um, to call. She's been arrested, and and the kid's been put into foster care. Hmm. What's your advice? What are you trying to tell me? I think this is a complete overreaction. You do? I do. You would drop off your child to a park and say, see ya for the entire day? No. See, because keep keep up with me here on the debate. What? I wouldn't do that, but I think this is an overreaction. Uh, okay, so what should the concerned parent have done? Well, that's not the question. The question is, oh. what should we do to the concerned parent? Okay, you think it's wrong. I don't think it's no, wrong. No, no, no. I'm asking, I'm a concerned parent at the park, and I see an unguarded mm-hmm. child. Nine what nine, should I do? Nine, nine, look, we, okay. So what should I do? Get into the, I ask the kid. The kid says, my mom's at work. I've been here for 12 hours. Let's get into the weeds here. So you and I both agree. There is an age where you can do this. Yes? Uh, for me, 14. You'll drop your 14-year-old off all day long at a park with 14. A uh, maybe 13. Maybe 13. Well, we're backing up now. Maybe 13. I would be checking in, of course, and maybe sure. that parent was, but I think 13. I think 9 is way too young. I think 9 is too young, too, but I think that what we're illustrating is here there's a debate. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't become black and white. I, your interesting question, what do I do if I meet the 9-year-old? Where's your yeah, mom? Yeah. I don't know that calling the cops is my first. Maybe you'd try to call the mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, um Well, yeah, you're you're right. That is serious business. And to have a child taken away and put in custody like in in a child custody, protective custody, that's that's a big deal. That's hard to reverse. Um Yeah, that's that's a serious responsibility. Think about where we are now versus where, but, where we are then, right? You yeah. have a situation that we're not going to suggest is ideal, a 9-year-old playing at the park all by herself, but today because the cops were called because that situation was deemed so unacceptable. Mm-hmm. The kids in foster care, the mother's arrested. She undoubtedly, I'm sure, lo- loses her job. Yeah. Now, is that situation better than the one that you attempted to correct? No. And, 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 and then on top of that, what we're saying, because there's a debate, and even if we in the end both say we wouldn't drop our own nine-year-old off, parents ought to have wide latitude in how they choose to raise their children. Uh, they should have latitude, yeah. Yeah. But 
I don't know. This is a safety issue. Was this going to be for the entirety of the summer? I assume this is summer and the mom's at work. At least for those And the kid's days. home. This is this is her daycare plan for the summer? To drop the kid off at a park the entire day? I mean, that I, I think that goes from not ideal to pretty irresponsible. And I, I don't know that calling protective services is the answer, but this mom needs to figure out a better plan well, you know for what, her kid. What about this? I mean, statistically, mm-hmm. the, not that many children are abduct, abducted. Not that many things happen. Oh, oh, good. Well, let's roll the dice and see then. Well, uh, I'm reading this in The Atlantic, by the way, which is an article uh, written by Connor Friedersdorf, and he says, statistically, you know, putting the daughter in the car and driving her along your one-hour commute to work is more dangerous. I'm sure statistically that's true. But but what? Can you imagine how you'd feel if you're child had been abducted because you left it in a park all day at nine years old what's your excuse you can you be, can you be arrested clearly. then clearly yeah i i mean look no it's, clearly you'd feel terrible i don't know if you can be arrested it's a bad it's a bad decision uh i assume this this mom felt like she had no other options and, and that's that's unenviable but that's a bad decision so you know this because i harp on it uh both on air and off i think one of the things we're depriving children of um is is agency, is ability to dictate and learn how to go about in the world in social hierarchy and responsibility and negotiate on their own without parents guiding them every step of the way. The toy box, the, the sandbox toy sharing, you know, situation. Um, the minute a conflict arises, parents hover in. Now, Tommy, are you sharing with Bobby? Are you making sure you're being nice? Constantly negotiating these conflicts deprives children of ever the ability to learn how to do this on their own. The term is called executive function. Okay, that's what it means. It's becoming someone who can lead, operate independently in the world, in any environment. Um, there was also an, uh, another interesting article on The Atlantic that said one of the best things you can do for your children in teaching them this is family game night. Oh, I thought you were going to say is airdrop them into a park and say see you for 12 hours. That was number two oh, okay. after games. Okay. Abandon. Yeah, abandon and see how it goes. <laughs> there actually are theories on free time, free play. Kids need way more free play, non-adult supervision, unsafe environments. We d- talked about in the show the one time. Didn't we of the crazy um, playground in somewhere in Scandinavia or or In America Britain. too, with like in Britain with like lighter fluid. Yes. <laughs> Yes, there was a playground with like Saws. talk about sharp edges. Yeah. Right. It was literally like garbage. They played with garbage. It was a junkyard, yeah. It was a junkyard. With like freestanding water. Yes, that is <laughs> frightening. That is frightening. But the point is to allow the children to learn by mistake and negotiate things without parents creating bumpers and life Aren't vests some at every turn. Worse than others. Yes, like clearly. like like contracting hepatitis C. Yes, look. That's a bad mistake. You know this. I, as a parent, have have uh, I've dealt with some of the repercussions of, mistakes, of, of yeah. these mistakes, meaning I've had a kid hurt. Um, he's fine. He's okay, but it was not good. Yeah. So I'm not coming at this from a naive perspective. Um, mm-hmm. But family game night, that's how you teach executive function, independent thinking, critical thinking, conflict, competition. And uh, the Atlantic pointed out five games, none of which, by the way, are very recognizable. One of which, though, is chess. Pretty recognizable. Pretty recognizable. That help children begin to learn these But I don't understand because you're saying unsupervised. 
so that they get to do things on their own. But I'm assuming family game night is with your parents, right? Yeah, I'm not saying exclusively unsupervised. Mm. I'm not saying turn them into wolf children, feral children. <laughs> <laughs> Let's run an experiment. What would happen if we ignored our child? <laughs> um, well, be- look, I love the idea of game night for so many reasons. It's something to do as a whole family. It fosters competition, which I think is healthy. Um, winners it, and losers. Yeah, winners and losers. It allows parents to be supportive. It allows, um, you know, obviously there's hopefully some learning going on. I just think it's great. I love family game night. Now you're telling me it's a good alternative to dropping your kid off in the park. I'm even more on board. You can do both in about Ugh. six months. No, thanks. Drop them off in the park with a board game. <laughs> <laughs> go Perfect make, parenting. Go make a family. <laughs> Perfect parenting. I've got more parenting advice for you. You have questions for me? I have questions for you. I have some questions about parenting based on your expertise. Renowned parenting expert. Your renowned parenting expertise. I've got some questions. All right. When we come back on Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Will Kane and S.E. Cup return. Hey, welcome back. As Will has mentioned, I am expecting a child. So I'm I'm noticing stories that involve children more, of course. Before I would, I don't know, I'd brush past stories. I, I don't care what's up with these breeders. Their, their lives don't interest me. And their spawn... But now I'm reading a lot about <laughs> these <laughs> kids' stories. And it has my has my wheels turning, Will, as, as every time I see one of these. And, and it makes me think, I, I need to ask someone who knows what they're talking about. Do you want to be called mommy, mom, mother, mama? Huh. I haven't thought about that. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe can I leave it up to him? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't made that decision. If you want to make, yeah. Well, I mean, two-year-olds make executive decisions in your house. <laughs> um, I don't know. But I, I think, you know, if only I had someone that I could get some sage counsel from on some of these stories, I I I, I accumulate a list during the week of, of questions that I have about how I'm gonna how I'm gonna parent. I'm glad I'm here for you. And then at the end of the week, fortuitously. Here we are. Yeah, right. Me and you, you're right here, and I can ask you. Exactly. Advice on how I should parent my kids. The world needs to know. It works out. It works that out. That I know. It, it works out. So I've got some questions. This is based on some stories in the news this week. All right. And maybe this will become a regular thing. These are tough calls, right? These are tough calls. I don't, I don't know what I would do. Like dropping your nine-year-old after the park. Okay? If not nine, then 12. If not tough. 12, this then 14. This is tough. I don't think these are clear-cut. Right. So let me start with... Fire. Question one. Can I pack a gun in my daycare bag when I drop it off with my kid? Yes or no? You may not. I cannot? No. That's not good? Mm-mm. Well, let me let me just tell you because... 
I didn't invent this. Someone got there before I did. Uh, officers arrested the father of an 11-month-old girl after they found a loaded handgun, by the way, with hollow-point bullets. Those are scary. They might, they might rank just below Derringer <laughs> on Rolling Stone's list of dangerous objects. He packed this in a, in a daycare bag and dropped it off at daycare with his toddler. The gun was stolen. So this guy was arrested on multiple counts. Had prior convictions for drug distribution. But I, I just, I'm thinking you of know, my morning routine. Right. My morning routine. I'm packing the daycare bag. I don't know. It. I have guns in the house. It might one day happen that I just mistakenly grab my Derringer. Yeah, I doubt it. Your Derringer, right. <laughs> and put it in the daycare well, bag small. next to the wipes. Right, they can slip, yeah, they slip around exactly. Derringers, right. You I know, just don't want this to happen hey, to me. If you're telling if you're telling me I can't do this, I don't want it to happen to me. Hey, I've been around guns all my life. Um, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I, have, I don't have a concealed carry. I've never um, gone about my daily routine making sure my gun is next to my wallet with mm. my keys and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, but I've been around guns my entire life. They're always something I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the gun, right? Where is it? Am I aware of it? Yeah, yeah. That I have never story, gotten yeah. to the point where you forget about your gun. Right. I have never. Now, maybe people that carry their guns on a more consistent basis do, but like I'm, dealers, I'm continually yeah. surprised. Slipped it into the uh, to the diaper bag. Oops, forgot. And dropped it off with the kid at daycare. Seems Barry like Switzer. <laughs> Barry Switzer was the famous uh, coach of Oklahoma University and then the Dallas Cowboys. Forgot back in the 90s and went through airport security. Yikes. And took it in. Now that's a much bigger deal than it was then. But he got yeah. in trouble then. I shall understand the forgetting about your gun thing. Well, I'll, now that I know you can't do this, I will be more mindful. Uh, next question. How do I prevent... There's another daycare, daycare question. How do I prevent my toddler from catching herpes at daycare? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you... This is a uh, legitimate concern. Where do I go with this? This is legitimate. Tell to well, abstain? let me tell you what happened because in Oklahoma City, a mother is claiming her one-year-old daughter contracted herpes from a daycare teacher. The uh, daycare admitted the teacher has an STD. And they are saying they will investigate the incident. No, seriously, how does that, like, uh, you now said this herpes. this kid has blisters around her mouth. She's bleeding. Yeah. I mean, clearly you can get herpes non-sexually. You can... Uh, yeah, this was not passed on sexually, yes. but I guess by con- contact of some kind. Mm. How do I prevent that? Because I'd like not, I'd like for that not to happen. In all seriousness, how does that happen? Like I've seen the mouth, it's like a, ki- a kiss when you have a one on your mouth or sharing a drink. How does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but apparently this happens... I'd like not to have this happen to my child. I think so. I Are think. there daycares where this doesn't happen? I think, you know, the polling will probably be with you on that one. Okay. Well, good to know. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you helped me out there. I'll have more questions for you next time. That's what I'm here for. And we will be here for you next week. Oh. You like that? You like that? Actually, I will be here for you next Chris week. Salcedo is up next. Enjoy. Thanks for hanging out with us on The Blaze Radio. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network.